So thanks so much, Brenda, for making yourself available for our podcast, Humans at Work. And we talk about all things that relate to human beings in the workplace. So it's a fairly big sort of profile. Um, Today, however, we want to really focus on uh, issues in regards to leadership, organisational culture and the future of work. They're the three things that we wanted to cover. So if you don't mind starting off by giving yourself an introduction, sharing who you are, um, where you work for, the kind of size of the organisation you work for, and we can go from there. Yes. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you, Michelle, for inviting me to your podcast today. And my name is Brenda Ryan. I'm the CEO of Hunter Primary Care. I've been in the position in Hunter Primary Care for almost three years now. Uh, we have a staff of 240 headcount. That doesn't include the 240 GPs on our books for the after hours. Uh, here at Hunter Primary Care, we like to consider ourselves as, as a team of people who are striving to improve the health of our community here in the Hunter and the Upper Hunter region. And obviously, we want to extend that at the client services as much as we can other regions that are otherwise struggling to find the important health services that we provide. We also provide an extensive after-hours clinic uh, called GP Access, which is located at several of the LHD hospitals. Sophie, I, I often imagine your business, and if you were to imagine it as tentacles throughout the community, there's actually multiple different ways that you reach out to the community in all of these different offerings that you have. Can you tell us, as a leader, what is it like to lead such a diverse organisation? What is it like? It gives me great pleasure to be able to influence the people to to, um, be the people that they are and to be part of our organisation. It's a really good feeling when you go home and you know that most of your staff are very, very passionate about what they do. And I often think about the outcomes for the community. That's that's just as important as making sure that all our staff here feel like they're part of the team, part of the bigger team and part of everybody working towards trying to influence people's um, health outcomes. Mm. In your view, what are some of the most important elements of leadership that you try to um, support across the rest of your staff? I try and influence um, all of our staff to be the best they can and strive um, to be as innovative as they can. And COVID-19 has shown uh, me, in particular as a CEO, how innovative and collegial our um, whole team can be. I definitely encourage innovation, looking at doing things differently, not keep doing the same old, same old, so we can look at how the business can grow. We spend a lot of time... um, talking with our influential senior managers in looking at ways of encouraging our staff to be innovative. It's also important to build trust um, through being transparent with your staff and open communication helps build that trust and transparency. The more you communicate with staff, the more the trust they have in you and and your leadership team and the more um, they will come to you when, when they have problems. And I definitely encourage open communication, whether it be positive or negative communication and we encourage that through our clients not only through our staff so that open channel of people knowing that they can go yeah so you you mentioned COVID what are some of the things you've learned about your people and your organization as a result of managing through a crisis like that I'd like to just 
start when we first found out about COVID and the need to uh, disperse our staff to be working at home. At first, um, I didn't think that that was such a good idea, but I would now look back and look back on the um, great job our staff have done from working from home. It's not that we monitor every moment of their day or what they're doing, but because we have a high statistical uh, reporting regime to our funder, we have to watch closely what our staff are doing. And we've actually found that our staff have worked better working from home mm-hmm. and they feel more empowered to um, have that autonomy to work from home. So, yes, we've seen what resilient staff can have during times of um, uncertainty, certainly unprecedented times like we found ourselves in a few months ago. And how do you think those learnings about your people and the fact that they're very capable to work more independently, how do you think that is going to feed into the future of the way you do work as an organisation? Well, first and foremost, we are a team, so I wouldn't like to see um, people not coming back to the office at all. And we have... um, um, we have exercised resilience during this time and maintained our um, our team by absolutely open communications. I'm communicating with um, the staff. I was communicating with the staff daily through ongoing videos and newsletters and still continue to do so, but not at the same rate. It has given me um, the faith that, that staff really are passionate about what they're doing and um, and it also has made me more self, self-aware self that um, I also need to make sure that staff, I am communicating with staff on, on a regular basis and that my presence doesn't go unnoticed and uh, that communication has absolutely been key in the whole of this difficult time that we've been going through um, the COVID crisis. Mm-hmm. And like I said, um, team is very important to me. Team is about understanding your staff, knowing your staff, meeting your staff, uh, touching base with them regularly. Before COVID, I used to walk around every morning and I could say, out of the 240 people, I probably knew 90% of their names. So, yeah, it's, it's shown us how to exercise resilience. And it's also encouraged our staff to be a bit more risk-taking as well because a lot of people are apprehensive about working from home, how it would work, um, but they've adapted really well. And I think moving into the future, we will adapt to um, the learnings that we have uh, found during this unprecedented time. So you've mentioned innovation a couple of times. Is there a specific innovation that's come off the back of people having to be resourceful about the way that they work? There's a couple of parts to innovation in our business, absolutely. Um, We run a large psychology services here and before COVID-19, 99.9% of it was face-to-face. Now we've started to adapt innovative technologies such as uh, Zoom is one, uh, telehealth is another, and then how do we adapt to those people that don't actually have the facilities to be able to use video conferencing or telehealth. So they've come up with some innovative ideas of how we can actually communicate with those people. And one of those innovative ideas was we can bring people into the building. There's no problems there as long as we 
uphold the regulations such as social distancing and put a client in one room uh, with the technology while the uh, service provider was sitting in another room with the technology. And the comment at the end of that was it felt like we were just face-to-face. Another part of innovation with with us, and we adopted this uh, before COVID came in, is we run an innovation challenge. This was the inaugural one in 2020, where we asked staff to uh, put in a project, and we ended up with a project into it like a competition, and we ended up with about 10. We narrowed it down to three. We were so impressed by the innovative ideas that these three had that we ended up uh, sponsoring all three of them when we actually only started to sponsor one. So the enthusiasm that has been created since that innovation challenge has been unbelievable, actually. A lot of people are now wanting to be very much part of that. And that shows that we are, um, we've got vision and that we respect what our staff um, are telling us in how we should improve the business moving forward. Absolutely, and if you're closing the loop of that innovation process, by the time that project's up and running and different staff are involved in that, then, you know, that's like the end piece in that communication loop, isn't it? Yeah. About those elements, which is really exciting. And what about you can't talk about leadership without talking about culture, organisational culture. So what are the... What are the elements of your organisational culture that you would say have allowed you to get through this time successfully? Uh, well, our culture is, well, if, if we go back to the, our values of integrity, excellence, um, innovation and uh, respect, mm-hmm. um, all four of those elements of our values forms a lot of the culture here at Hunter Primary Care. And um, all four of those has helped us to get through uh, this, this challenge of, of COVID. Another good example is just uh, a few weeks ago, we first introduced, as part of our culture uh, improvement process, we introduced um, recognition awards for the first time at Hunter Primary Care. And mm-hmm. we received 43 applicants. Uh, nominations, I should say. We had 43 nominations and in the end we narrowed it down to three. And it was amazing at some of the feedback that we got about these people's uh, activities that it encouraged their colleagues to to put them into the innovation challenge, Mm -hmm. not the innovation challenge, sorry, the The recognition one. Isn't there something so powerful about people catching others doing right? Yeah. um, you know, putting their names up for recognition or the innovation yeah. challenge or other examples that you might have mentioned. Yeah, that's that's very. And good. some of the people that were um, nominated for the recognition awards wasn't actually a face-to-face uh, activity that they had done that, that they actually got recognised for. It actually was something that occurred while they were interacting over this innovation, such as Zoom Teams and. Teleconferencing. So it was interesting that there wasn't actually that body contact that made them aware that this person should be put forward for recognition. And I must say that the three people that were the successful um, winners of the recognition uh, awards were elated that somebody even thought that they noticed that they did such a small thing. Mm. And so 
powerful, isn't it? That that yeah. idea of really acknowledging people for what they're doing. And you know, sometimes it just is a thank you. And sometimes it is a formal recognition, like you're saying, and it goes through a process. Sometimes it might be some kind of an award, but I think it doesn't, um, in general, it doesn't have to be as fancy as what a lot of people think, and it still works really well. People respond very well to it. So the, the flip side of culture is there's stuff that gets you through and there's stuff that's still a challenge. So in your world, what would you consider to be your key number one challenge in around organisational culture? The key challenge, I think, is bringing everybody on board and everybody um, striving towards the values that we, we uphold. Not everybody uh, takes that journey. Sometimes people don't take responsibility for decision-making or their actions. And that makes it a little bit difficult. I think the saying is there's often one bad apple amongst the, the whole box full, but it does make it challenging. Um, and we work on culture and it's very important to us to have that culture. But everybody has a different lens when it comes to culture. So not everybody sees what I see um, and other people see things differently. For me, I think we have a fantastic culture here. But sometimes when you do a culture survey, you realise that there's those little things that people take very seriously, which I think we're doing well, but we're not necessarily in other people's eyes doing well. So that's really challenging because as a leader, you can look at, well, that's not really happening, but if somebody actually thinks it's happening, it, should, it is happening. Mm. So mm. I think that's, that's challenging. Perception, as you're saying, everyone has different perception yes. and that becomes their reality no matter what other people think about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so. So, so measuring culture, have you found that to be an advantage for your organisation to measure organisational culture and to take that feedback and to implement changes? Sure, we definitely, um, we did a culture survey about 12 or 15 months ago and one thing we made sure of, if you're going to ask for feedback, make sure you follow it up. So as a result of that, we actually set up a culture committee and they held uh, management to account that they needed to respond to respond, improve or um, take on the challenge of what we can do better. So have we found it, it's, it's become very much a part of our everyday work here at Hunter Primary Care since getting that feedback from our staff. Prior to that, um, we, we, we did pay a lot of attention to culture, but certainly not at the level we're paying attention to it now. Because mm. it's always interesting to me because culture is the umbrella that everything else sits under. Sometimes people don't understand it conceptually that way and so they don't necessarily understand the connection that culture has to either profit or commerciality or those sort of elements. So, yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about that. Yeah, culture culture is the leader of the organisation, not the CEO. Yeah. Without good culture. And, yeah, and yeah, the CEO has so much to do with influencing the culture and sure. creating culture as well. I think it's a symbiotic relationship. There's, you know, um, culture affects the CEO, the CEO affects the culture. But I think I think one thing interesting about what you're saying that's important to draw out is the role of all of your humans within your business in regards to that culture because, like you're saying, it only takes one or two people to be totally against what you're doing or what you're trying to achieve to make it feel like it's a bit of a, 
uphill kind of a, a battle in some respects. If you, um, if you could give some advice to other people who might be embarking upon a cultural journey, maybe they haven't measured culture before, it could be the start of their cultural process, what advice would you give to other organisations in that situation? My advice would be to communicate with your staff about what, what it is you're going to do, number one, what it is you want to achieve by doing a culture survey and what you intend to do when you get the information. Because you can't ask people to fill out a culture survey if they don't know what it's for and what is the purpose of doing it and what will the end result be. So communication, again, is absolutely key and particularly around uh, the introduction of a culture survey because some people don't understand why you want to get that information and often take a negative view about informing management of uh, changing culture or improving culture or is the culture going well? Or And from a CEO's point of view, I need to know is the culture, have we got a good culture, have we got a bad culture, or does nobody care about culture? So it's very, very important to have the communications. I can't stress that enough. Mm, yeah, it literally flavours everything, doesn't it? Okay, just to wrap up, my final question for you is I would love to know what you think your biggest leadership strength is. My biggest leadership strength that I believe in is that I have high emotional intelligence. I'm empathetic to staff. I have a vision uh, for the organisation. I'm trustworthy and uh, I make myself available. And to me, one of my key strengths is I make sure that people know who I am. I make myself available and I show empathy where, where needed. And uh, I have a saying that my door is always open as long as you can get past my PA. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> and what a great way to wrap up. I appreciate it so much that you've made yourself available for us today because I know how busy your day and probably your week is. So thank you so much for sharing some words of wisdom and insight in around leadership culture and the future of work here on our Humans at Work podcast. Thanks again, Brenda. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Sharon.